Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> We're hello. on. We're on. Yes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So, just to get a, give a bit of context to mm-hmm. this uh, podcast, Mick mm-hmm. is one of my AWPT mentors. She has driven up two and a half hours. Yeah, about that. From Peary yep. and uh, to Adelaide. And we are halfway through our AWPT in-person seminar mm-hmm. down here in Adelaide at Fitness Society Studio. Now, Mick is actually the only physio that I have in my AWPT mentorship. We've got Sarah who's studying exercise and sports science and then she's planning to go into physio. But I guess my first question is what made you decide you wanted to be a physio and Mm -hmm. I guess what made you decide to want to sort of go a little bit more into the performance-based space rather than the rehab space? Yeah, so probably when I was about 15, I was really struggling with shoulder pain Um, when I was playing netball and it was just sucked. Like I used to be so good at netball and yeah, this... Shoulder pain was really, really bothering me. And I ended up stopping playing in year 10. So yeah. I guess as I started to think, you know, what can I do to help people not go through that? What can I do to help myself? So physio was sort of in my mind with that. Um, and my auntie, when I was, I think I was about seven. So my auntie was quite young. She was 35, 36. She had a stroke. Mm. Um and it was quite a severe stroke. So her whole right side of her body was paralyzed. She couldn't speak. Um, yeah, so I saw physio help her as well through her journey from quite a young age and got her back, you know, walking, moving, functional. So I think seeing all the different areas of physio and being able to help people and um, that's sort of where I ended up going. Yeah. Um, and then with AWPT, so... I was, yeah, just on Instagram one day and saw it come up and I thought, (laughs) you know, as physios, we learn a lot about rehab and very rehab-based exercise, so like your TheraBands, you're lying on the floor, leg slides, things like that. Yeah. But there's a bit of a gap when it comes to, um, you know, say returning to sport or returning to gym performance and myself personally working in clinic say when I was getting to a certain stage with clients, I'd find, no, I don't really know what to do. Like how hard should I push them? What should I be aware of? Um, So yeah, I guess wanting to learn a bit more about what I can do to help get people return back to that normal, not just get people, you know, pain free and, and moving, but how do we get them back performing, playing sport, going to the gym, whatever they enjoy doing. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And so at the moment you're working in more like the musculoskeletal, yeah, so I'm actually um, with SA Health at Port Pirie Hospital. So I'm based main, mainly in outpatient, so yep. see a lot of musculoskeletal. Every now and then I do go to the hospital and see some ortho clients or yep. um, just your general acute patients when we're short-staffed and things. But Do you do mainly. much neuro or cardio or just... Uh, occasionally we'll get some neuro. Yep. Um, being a regional hospital... We don't have any like rehab places on site. So mm-hmm. with the neuro people, they've usually gone to rehab, say, in, like Wyala's the closest one or uh, I think Modbury. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get them back. Um, so I've actually got one client at the moment. He was going to Calvary 
two or three times a week. So driving from Piri up to Adelaide to do his rehab until we were able to see him. So yeah. Um, and then as far as cardiorespiratory, I personally don't do much. Some of the ward physios see them. Um, yep. We do have like a cardiac rehab. So in the outpatient setting where you know, someone's had a heart event, they come to the gym, we exercise them and then they get education as well. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And so where do you see yourself going with physio and going mm. like in the future in terms of like – you want to stick with the rehab, you want to, because you've done some sports stuff as well. You've done, you worked for um, a football team? Yeah, so bit. I worked for an uh, amateur football team in Adelaide here, so when I was at uni. And, and that that's was... AFL, just to oh, yeah. play <laughs> Australian, wait, Aussie rules? Yeah, Aussie rules. What do they call it? Yeah, there's so many different types of like football, like yeah. football can mean anything, but in Adelaide, it's football is it's AFL. AFL, yeah. yeah, Aussie rules. So yeah, that was yeah really fun and um, I guess a good sort of learning time as well. So when we were going through uni, you're learning all the techniques and the footy players were more than happy for us to give it a go. Like if they hurt their knee, you'd assess them and give them a bit of a general rehab return to sport idea as far as where I see myself going I think yeah obviously things always change and they probably will keep changing but at the moment this year has really been like try and do as much education as I can try and do as much learning see where like what appeals to me I think the women's health side of thing definitely does um but also that more I guess exercise focus that performance and I guess like training women throughout their life span yeah. is interesting to me um yes I think yeah probably sort of women's health at this stage um yeah. see where that goes um but I still want to do some musculoskeletal and some yeah for sure you know yeah we exercise based um, stuff we have another physio attending the seminar at the moment. He has like three different mm. jobs as well. Because like with physio, you kind of want to keep it. Um, like you do see a variety of injuries, but they can get like with musculoskeletal, it's mm. like you know how to treat a back, you know how to treat like a shoulder, a knee, yeah. whatever it is. So he does like, I think he does neurocardio and, and then he does some musculoskeletal yeah. and then he does um, he does something else with. Uh, in another in another four or maybe it was just cardio and neuro that were the two different ones I can't quite remember and then some musculoskeletal but yeah it's good to have that that variety Mm. I think because um there are so many different types which I don't think a lot of people realize yeah as well so uh you'll be taking a section today on um the women's health Mm -hmm. um pelvic floor sort of stuff yeah have you had many patients that you've seen in terms of yeah pelvic floor rehab yeah postpartum um, and stuff so at work yeah it's good I guess in the outpatient setting that I'm in because you do see a variety so um yeah I've had a couple my most recent one that's probably you know really interesting to work with so she's actually describing like this clunky sort of feeling in her like where her sacrum is um so her coccyx or bottom bone um yeah, down there and just like sitting's really painful. She's got a bit of incontinence as well after baby and she's my age. Um, so, yeah, working with her will be interesting to see how we go. Yeah, um, yeah and 
I've had other people post-surgery as well. So there was one lady that had a prolapse, so where one of the organs had dropped down yep. into um, her vagina. So they had to help re- um, re-suspend the pelvic floor, I think. So that was interesting as well. And that she had such great outcomes as well from it. She was like a new woman. She thought, oh, I'll just, you know, live with it. Yep. But... Um, yeah, she was only 30, so yeah. it was affecting her playing sport, affecting her, like, just walking, just this heavy, yucky feeling down there. So I've seen a bit of that, see um, some clients during their pregnancy as well with, like, pelvic girdle pain or mm-hmm. low back pain. Um, and, and I guess what sort of things do you do to help manage, like, the pelvic girdle pain and the the back pain during pregnancy? Yeah. I guess, yeah, there's lots of different things. Um, I think a lot of it's education for um, the women and just letting them sort of know what's going on, what sort of changes are happening to their body um, and talking them through pelvic floor exercises, trying to give them the right prompts that they're doing it Um, because I think it's a type of exercise where, you know, we've all heard of pelvic floor and we kind of know we should do it, but (laughs) how many of us actually do, Um, especially if you're a busy mum? Um, or, you know, planning the arrival of a new baby, you can yeah, sometimes for sure. forget. And I think in Port Perry, um, we do see some like lower socioeconomic clients as well. So they don't have the greatest, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like understanding of their body and mm. healthcare. Mm. So even some of my clients, like I might talk them through and they're like, oh, I didn't even realise that that's what those muscles look like or that's what they do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, educational tips, um, avoiding certain aggravating behaviours, yeah. um, just general exercise as well to strengthen those muscles and their core. And Are there any, um, like, cues you find that are really helpful for women? Because, like, there are so many ways we mm. can cue pelvic floor. Do you have any go-tos that you use for in terms Mm. of um I know last night we spoke about um the paper towel and the and the the weight Mm. as like showing what the pelvic floor does but in terms of yeah cues tips ways that you yeah help people understand yeah so there's this really good video actually on continents Australia's website that I always show my clients so it actually has the pelvic floor all the other organs are removed and it shows it how it sits at the base of the pelvis mm-hmm. and it talks it through and shows what it actually looks like contracting and relaxing. I think that's really cool um, to show clients. And then for me personally, what I find works is I find it easiest to contract if I'm like sitting and then sort of imagining where those muscles are like lifting up and away mm-hmm. from the chair. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's you hear lots of different things. I saw one that was like, imagine you're trying to hold like a grape up your vagina, so you're sort of lifting and yeah, holding that. Um, I like the one like sucking a thick shake up through a straw through yeah. your vagina. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good one as well. Um, you hear the like, imagine you're trying to stop yourself um, like midstream. Yeah, but I always like caution people as well mm. not to like. If you did it once, sure, but you don't want to be doing it while you're actually on the toilet because yeah. you can risk not emptying your bladder yeah. fully. Um, yeah, so I find in sitting works best for me, but you can do it like lying, you can do it standing, you can do it on all fours. Yeah, um, 
find the different positions like a, a cool ways to like progress kind of because yeah. like if you're lying on your back it's easier it's a good start point yeah. but like functionally our pelvic floor needs to lift against gravity so yeah. sitting upright or standing is going to be a little bit more functional yeah like maybe when you progress a little bit yeah further through your rehab and then yeah. being able to do you know certain activities while you're thinking about contracting yeah. the pelvic floor yeah yeah no, absolutely and um there are people like if I was to do further women's health studies I'd actually be able to assess internally if someone's contracting yeah. properly um because it is a hard thing to assess otherwise because no one should know that you're doing it um but yeah so if someone was really struggling we weren't really getting anywhere probably would refer them on further to someone who's done further training yeah um but usually yeah with a bit of tips and exercises they're, they're pretty good yeah that's uh, good yeah have you seen I guess any traumatic like um childbirths where you've had to sort of rehab any sort of traumatic pelvic floor injuries or things like that no not not at this stage Someone just like yeah prolapse and prolapse yeah bladder leakage yeah this lady that's got like the clunky sacrum um she's had a grade two tear uh so she's got stitches yeah in the pelvic floor um but no yeah real traumatic um but that would be interesting yeah as well to to work with and um there's a lady another one who i know um through instagram so her clinic you know they work with that sort of thing and even say like return like women these women having sex and getting like sexual pain yeah that's a big one yeah like working with Mm. that i guess in that sort of longer term yeah, there are yeah, there are so many things that I guess like growing up as women, like we don't even know our potential and it's mm. it's sort of like, you know, these things that we need to do after pregnancy. Like I've spoken to women who just don't even know that they need to go and have a pelvic floor assessment at six yeah. weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, um, post birth and, and or a doctor doesn't do it. Mm. Like a, a obstetrician gynecologist doesn't do it or a GP doesn't do it and so then they've had to go to yeah women's health physios to have the internal examination Mm. have like a checkup on their like abdominal separation Mm. to sort of see you know how um, far apart their abs have separated Mm. and what they can sort of do to sort of bring that back down together and things like that so yeah Mm. it is really interesting and definitely a place uh, where we need to have more uh, mm. research and more education definitely yeah. and I guess like women. talking openly about it as well because it can be a bit of a taboo topic and mm. while they say like bladder leakage you know it's common but it's mm. not normal mm. and um, yeah like sexual pain as well that could be something that some people struggle to you know how do you tell your, your doctor that or your physio like how does that come up in conversation but yeah. really it should because we should be talking about those things and I think we're getting better slowly at being more open and talking about what's going on um I know some of my older clients say like in their 80s or 70s they might be having on and off low back pain and sort of they start talking about you know they had like five kids and I was like oh have you ever done pelvic floor or transverse abdominus exercise any cause they're like nah 
Mm. And you can see like when they sit up, they've got that sort of bulging that they've still got that separation and they just... Yeah. They didn't know about that. They were just told to, you know, go home, look after baby. and Yeah. Um, yeah, they're still struggling all these years on and they just assume it's normal to, yeah, yeah have those concerns. But, yeah, um, I've, I've seen women, like, who have gone through this course and, like, 14 years later, like, her, her son, I think, is, like, 14 or something. Yeah, she's still got that doming mm. in the abdominal separation. She, she, like, every morning it kind of domes a little bit and it's kind of painful. Mm. She said sometimes it even bleeds. And I was like, you should probably go yeah. and, like, get that checked again. Yeah. And, yeah, she, she went and she had to go get surgery to get it sort of, like, because mm. it's kind of like a hernia, right? Yeah. And it's, affecting her training and affecting her physical activity like she was a coach so that was her livelihood yeah and yeah you just yeah you hear all these stories and it's like we need to empower women a lot more to I guess take control of their bodies and know that you know if something's not right you don't have to live with it yeah like there are things that we can do to try and help um you know these conditions or if you know something has there are definitely you know, anatomical changes that occur during pregnancy that are normal and might not go back to mm. um, pre-pregnancy, uh, like, um, standards or mm-hmm. – well, I'm not I'm not sure what I'm trying to say there. But um, definitely, like, there are, you know, ways that we can help and to seek more help if mm. you're not getting help. Like, I think especially, yeah, women's health physios – um, are really important and yeah it's becoming more normal now for women to sort of question like hang on this isn't right because yeah. yeah like it, there are older ladies who might have like stage three four prolapse where mm-hmm. like the organs are actually coming outside mm. of the body and that can be you know that can be bladder that can be uterus that can be um rectum even mm. Uh, and so, you know, there are devices, there are surgeries, like there are definitely things, you know, obviously pelvic floor exercise is going to be a big one mm-hmm. that we can do to, to help with that, to yeah. help with, you know, symptoms of prolapse, like you said, symptoms of bladder leakage, um, abdominal separation. Um, what's the other one? Oh yeah. Painful painful intercourse after Mm. you have like childbirth like that's a big one I think and that can also be something that you know we can work physically to help like work with that Mm. but it's also something that you know women need to be discussing with their partner as well and making sure Mm. the partner understands that you know there's been some you know there's we've gone through childbirth and there's been a little bit of trauma a bit of damage to the Mm. area coming back to sex can get you know, it can create some anxiety mm-hmm. in the woman. Uh, it can even create anxiety in the man, like mm. in the partner, like he might not want to hurt her or anything like that. So, you know, there are devices you can get which sort of limit the amount of penetration and mm-hmm. then you can you can slowly increase it. But I think the biggest thing with that is going to be communication. Mm. Yep. So talking with your partner and understanding, you know, we need to go slow to mm-hmm. start and make sure both partners are comfortable mm-hmm. And things like that is, yeah, something that's not really talked about too mm-hmm. much, um, but still, yeah, really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there's counsellors and sexologists as well that actually, you know, work with, 
guess the psychological side and yeah um that could help too if you know you're trying all the other tips and it's still not working um yeah, yeah there's always because i mean help. yeah i think like sex was a little bit taboo but it's like it's normal like mm. it's it's something that you know we all kind of do and um you know we don't have to it doesn't have to be you know you want it to be a beautiful experience mm. you don't necessarily want it to be like this thing that you have anxiety around or it yeah. creates it can probably even create issues you know in relationships mm. post-pregnancy post-children things like yeah. that even when life gets busy mm. as well like you know you sort of you might fall off the bandwagon a little bit but it's an important aspect of yeah. any sort of relationship as well yeah absolutely that, that intimacy yeah and yeah there was sort of slightly off track but I went to this cardiac course in Melbourne learning about cardiophysio and even this older lady she said you know as health professionals you really should be asking every client about their sexual lives and their intimacy post a like traumatic big event like a heart attack or yeah childbirth because it's something that's not spoken about but there can be a lot of that anxiety and that fear and, um, yeah, as health professionals, yeah, you know, communicate that with your clients and normalise yeah. it. So, yeah, that was a good little point she made that I guess it can be lots of different. I never thought about that. That's so interesting, mm. like, in terms of, yeah, like, post, like, traumatic event in your life because, yeah, it can, mm. like, that can sort of, create stress and create anxiety around your health and then you know sex is probably something that you're not really thinking about Mm -hmm. too much either but you know in terms of in terms of overall health like relationships Mm -hmm. it plays a massive like emotional psychological role in terms of like support um and and stress in your life as well like you want to cultivate um, you know loving safe relationships to mm. feel safe and yeah. to yeah be able to live life mm-hmm. um, to yeah. like yeah I can't remember what the statistics were but they've done studies on it and after like a heart attack people's sexual activity decreased by like over half or something it was big numbers that mm. they were having sex a lot um, not as often or some of them didn't ever do it again for that fear of you know what if the heart attack happens during mm. or you know if they'd had like a big open heart surgery you know it can be painful across the sternum so mm. that fear um, yeah so they've done studies on it and they were saying you know that is something that we should be speaking with our clients because it can yeah. um, decrease after a traumatic event and yeah. you want the people to I guess get back to some sort of normalcy after a yeah, a big life event. I mean, their life. I heard a story from someone that they actually picked up that they had cancer mm. when they were like during when they were having sex. Like they were really mm. short of breath. Like, like mm-hmm. so much so that it was more than you know what should typically be seen. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, know, you lose your breath a little bit, but like it was kind of like to the point where you had to stop. Yeah, and yeah, they were they said okay like this isn't right Mm. you should go to the doctor and get that checked out and yeah they found out like white Mm. cell blood count was really low and um yeah 
and uh yeah they they ended up having cancer so that's something that i mean mm. like <laughs> it's a little bit scary but like imagine yep. if they didn't yeah pick that up you know what would what could have happened yeah happening as well so mm. yeah and then i guess on the other side of things you know young girls and not just not just young girls but typically young girls um can experience anxiety around uh sex because of pelvic um not pelvic girdle pain but um tightness in the pelvic floor and, and pelvic mm-hmm. like just pelvic pain or pelvic mm-hmm. floor pain yeah because they have such tight pelvic floors because we're, so we're sort of told you know um to strengthen your pelvic floor but we never really focus on like the relaxation of the pelvic floor mm, and yeah. um you know if you know sometimes anxiety can help you like kind of clench or tighten mm-hmm down there as well that you don't even know that you're kind of doing or um you know if they you know they do a lot of activity or something like that yeah. um that can also lead to again sexual pain like if they're mm. if they're not relaxing yeah and it can even be you know so bad that like a tampon for instance can't get that in without excruciating pain yeah it can get so there's a word for it and i never pronounce it properly that condition um that can happen do you know what it kind of sounds like? See if I can... It's like vagism or something oh, like that. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. the pelvic floor muscles, yeah, tense on yeah. and they're so c- contracted that, you know, tampons can be really painful. Mm. Intercourse can be painful. Yeah. Um, and that's something physios can work with and counsellors as well. Um yeah, that will to be help relax that I guess that area because I guess you know we always think of pelvic floor. Oh, it must be like a weak pelvic floor. That's mm. that's what's wrong with it. But it can be that it can be overactive mm-hmm. and it can be yeah too tight or you're not relaxing enough, so you're not emptying your bladder yeah. properly. So there's lots can that can create go. that cert, um, that um, sensation of urgency. Like, yeah. yeah, and there was one of my friends had a client as well. She was only maybe eleven or twelve. She was getting severe pain with sitting, like she couldn't go to school. She had to stand up all the time. It was so painful. Mm. I think it turned out that one of her muscles, either in her pelvic floor or the ligaments, was just so tight that it was like kind of pulling on the on the joint and mm. had to release like on the that. coccyx or on the tailbone. Yeah, around the like coccyx. Yeah, I yeah. think it was on the tailbone. Um, yeah, and they gave her like a little thumb thing to sort of sit on and release it um mm. her supervisor said you know if it ideally that probably would be released internally but you're obviously not trained and she's so young so yeah. try uh, externally give her like a little thumb thing and yeah or a spiky we'll see how she goes and she actually got a lot better as well but um yeah, yeah i guess it can affect women at all different stages as well she was only yeah quite young. Yeah, yeah really young and for some reason yeah it was super tight whether it was she was really active or maybe she had an injury i don't know yeah some sort of traumatic event yeah when she was younger like yeah fall it always hurts when you fall and you're coccyx yeah yeah <laughs> that's painful yeah yeah well um yeah this has been really insightful there are obviously like a lot of other devices that women can use in terms of like releasing the pelvic floor like the wand sort mm-hmm. of inside um internal release mm-hmm. um like i spoke about before there's those devices that can help with um you know the amount of penetration mm-hmm. or helping with prolapse 
Um, another one is we were show we were looking at them last night. The vaginal cones, the vaginal oh, yeah. barbell, <laughs> like the egg, you kind of stick up and you can put weights in it to sort of like progress your weightlifting of your pelvic floor and your vagina. Because we look at it like I look at the pelvic floor like any other sort of skeletal muscle. Like if mm. it's damaged, we need to like let it heal mm-hmm. and then um, we need to progressively overload it and overload it in a functional way as yeah. well. So it's not just like lying on the floor, mm-hmm. you know, doing your little – like it's a good starting point, but we do need to always be looking yeah. at progressions. Yeah. And – yeah, helping out as much as we can. Yep. Well, that was very insightful. So thank you for jumping on the podcast with me, Mick. Thank you for having me. Yep.